Recorded live. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How good it is to connect with our brothers and sisters on the path with us. Always a lovely thing. I'm uh, just going to light my candle, as I do before all of our classes. And then we can really get going. So I'd like to take a roll here. And uh, Brandon, are you on the call? Here. Great. And um, Jennifer? Jennifer, Zach, Zach, huh? maybe someone's on uh, mute. Um, um right here. Ah, okay, you're there. That was Zach. Okay, Mark. I'm here. Hey, Mark. Martha. Here. Soki. I'm here. Hi, Soki. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. Okay, so uh, I'm just going to shoot a really quick email to Jennifer. So she um, knows that we're. Okay, so I think that there's a time adjustment being made because she's in, uh, you know, South America. Um, Mark, why don't you play us in? Okay. So let us take a moment, ease ourselves in, get in a comfortable position, closing our eyes, light breathing, and just noticing any any tension that may be anywhere in our thoughts or our body, and just easing into that, letting it go, releasing it, and just deepening in this moment knowing that all is right here, right now, and all is perfect. As we begin this morning, let's take a moment of gratitude. A moment of gratitude for the things that are simple in life. Gratitude to simply be on this call. Maybe have a cup of tea with us this morning. To have uh, had a decent night's sleep maybe for the breakfast that we have had or will be having. Gratefulness for this beautiful day and this beautiful place we live, wherever that may be in the world. Grateful for the friends and the community and the family we have in our lives, those both chosen and those we've uh, stepped into. 
and just grateful for the little things in life, where the little things are everything when they're what is right in front of us. Let us also release any concerns, worries, doubts, or fears that we are not somewhere that we think we're supposed to be, that there's something we're doing wrong, there's something we may not be good enough around, or there's any possibility of us not being completely worthy and completely deserving of anything and everything our heart might desire, knowing that we are always deserving, we are born deserving and worthy, and there's nothing that we need to do or prove for that to be so. We declare our truth. We declare that we are loved. We declare that we have access to everything that was, everything that is, and everything that ever will be at any given moment, for we are one. We are one with each other. We are one with the world. We are one with the universe. We are one transcending time and space. Being still in this presence and this knowingness for ourselves, we stay centered in that truth. We look for any place where we may step beyond that. We forget that. And we simply redirect our thoughts and our energy and our actions back towards that inner truth of knowing all is all right here. All is perfect. All is for our best and most highest good at all times. In peace and love and gratitude, we share this with all, for all is one, and that oneness is God. And with this, we say, so it is. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Very nice, Mark. Thank you so much. Mm. Mm -mm. So it appears that everyone's on the call, um, at least by reason, on uh, TalkShoot. It appears that everyone should be on the call. So Jennifer, are you joining us? Are you with us? I am with you. Yay, hi. Oh, great to hear your voice. Uh, I look forward to uh, hearing about all of your adventures. I'm loving all the pictures. It's been a really good time. <laughs> it looks like it. Oh, guys, so, oh, good to connect. So I'd like to uh, just dive right on in. And um, this... Uh, this week, we had a special assignment, and that assignment was to do our forgiveness letters. And we were doing forgiveness letters because we were discussing the four spiritual laws of prosperity as taught by Edwin Gaines. And just by shouting it out, what is the first law? Tithing and giving. Yes, tithing and giving. And what is the tithe, Silky? It's 10% of whatever monetary income that you receive. And it's uh, giving back and honoring our source, who is God, the source of my substance and supply. And giving it to people who feed our, who, who give us our spiritual soul. It could be a church, an institution, it could be a waitress, or anyone who inspires us or feeds us spiritually. 
Perfect. Beautiful. Spot on. Gorgeous. Thank you. And what's the second law of prosperity as taught by a dream game? Goal setting. Yes, goal setting. Exactly. Beautiful. And uh, tell us a little bit about goal setting, Brandon. I think this is deja vu from last week. <laughs> but, um, I know. I know. <laughs> Um, goal setting is just, uh, kind of dumping all our desires and getting clear, clear and clear on what we're wanting and, um, just kind of aligning our actions and thoughts so that we can achieve those things. And is it okay to want things? Yes. (laughs) And how does goal setting um, apply to, let's say, the book we started the the uh, module out with, How Are We Subconscious Mind? How, can, how do you think goal setting works with your subconscious mind? Well, well, what you focus on, you find, basically. So the more attention you put on to what you're wanting in a way that's assuming that it's already available to you, the easier it is going to come into your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you allow yourself to sort of become worthy and ready to receive it. Beautiful, beautiful. And the third law: forgiveness. That's right, baby. And why is forgiveness effective? What does it do? Forgiveness is the first step. Forgiveness allows us to leave the past in the past and move forward, you know, into the future without the, you know, without the negativity. Yeah. It's also sort of like clearing the channels of receptivity, too, like removing the blocks. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So we're going to pause on forgiveness, and we're going to talk about the experience of writing the forgiveness letters. So um, who would like to share about – well, actually, I'm going, to, I'm going to invite everyone to be really courageous today, uh, and uh, I'm going to invite everyone to read their forgiveness letter if you feel – if you feel ready to do it. Uh, if, if you absolutely don't feel ready, it's okay. Just remember this is a super safe space. I always say that when we share something like that, it's like putting it into the fire. It's like a puja ceremony. And it's very cleansing and, and clearing. And um, uh, and everything, of course, is held in strict confidentiality here. And I invite everyone to remember that and honor that. And... Um, I'm going to see if anyone would like to volunteer to share their experience about writing the um, forgiveness letter and then share the forgiveness letter. I'll go first. Great. Um, <clears throat> you know, when I got the email, because I wasn't in the class last week, so I received your email with the template, and I didn't really have 
uh, much else to go off of, but I um, <clears throat> followed the example and I knew right away when I read your email exactly what I was going to write my letter about. And so I just dove right in. I tried to be uh, courageous in my writing. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> this is what I came up with. Um, in the beginning, we need to state our intention. So my intention in writing this letter is to release any resentment or regret and be free of the past. Dear Jennifer, I forgive you for the mental and physical abuse I've endured related to your addiction to food and bad choices over the last 30 years when it comes to food and exercise and loving your body. I feel angry that you allowed yourself in junior high and high school to develop a negative body image so strong that sense and logic could not prevail. I'm angry that two times in your youth you saw significant improvements which were not enough for you. I wish you were able to be inspired and begin building healthy habits earlier in life. I feel afraid that you will get cancer or worse and die in a early in life in a very uncomfortable manner as a result of 30 years of bad choices around health. I'm afraid you are not capable of overcoming yourself now to do anything about the situation. Uh, I feel hurt that the weight you've gained has been an excuse for you to continue with your unrelenting negative body image and has hindered your ability to love and be loved in partnerships. I feel sad that you sometimes miss out on great adventures due to your lack of fitness. You should be climbing mountains, swimming in rivers, and enjoying the beautiful Pacific Northwest. I accept that, uh, I accept that, so I wrote in third person, now I'm switching to first person. I accept that, uh, that my thinking negatively about my body happened early in life and appeared as reality. I understand at the time I was unaware that thoughts could be changed. I accept that now the work in front of you to recover my, uh, to recover my health and repair my body image needs to be addressed. The task feels overwhelming, but I have to begin this work. The deep desire of my heart now is to find a way to love my body and to be able to make loving choices for my body, even when my desire to make bad choices flares up. What I'm doing to support myself now is traveling the world for one year. This trip has gotten me out of routine and has me back to eating three meals and two snacks per day. It's an opportunity to walk, climb, and swim. It's a chance to reflect and to begin new habits that I can bring home with me. What I am asking for you for what I'm asking you for now is to make two meals a day at home and drink lots of water. Take a vitamin each day and do one active activity per day, whether it be a tourist walk or exercise. Uh, and finally, make loving choices for your body and avoid satisfying your emotional stress with food. What I'm asking for help with from you, myself, the universe now, is to help me find ways to those loving choices. 
help calm and eliminate the desire to eat and be lazy, and fill me with inspiration and perseverance. I'm grateful that at 37 years old, I have a chance to make this change, and that that chance, uh, and that that chance, Ha, uh, that, you know, I have a chance to make this change, and there is a chance that making this change now will improve my quality of life for many years to come. My loving, powerful intention going forward is to practice loving my body daily in mind and in choice and share my learning and progress with others who struggle with these same issues. The end. That was really beautiful, Jen. How does it feel to put pen to paper and let that out and then share it on a group level? Well, first of all, I haven't written on a piece of paper in like five years. So my handwriting is absolutely atrocious. But, um, you know, it, it wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be because this is something that I have had sort of on my mind for a really long time. And spending sort of the last 10 years in these spiritual classes and and really getting into the movement of changing your thinking and cultivating the life, you know, any life that you want. I, I sort of, you know, had pieces of this already written, just hadn't really put it on paper. So I found that I moved through the exercise really quickly. Um, I wasn't like a hot mess of tears, which is usually what I am anytime I write in a diary. So, um, so yeah, I found, I found the process definitely brought a lot of clarity around the issue and let me sort of pour out what I had already had weighing on my mind. And now I have this living document that I can, you know, reread and look back on and sort of use as I progress with this particular, uh, act of forgiveness. Love it. Yeah, that's what it came up to me. It's like, sounds like yet you created a structure that supported you with having clarity so you could, you know. Um, and that's what's wonderful about forgiveness. It's not always, like, like Jennifer said, it's not, uh, the release doesn't always come in the form of ears or, or I call it laying an emotional egg. It can come from getting real clarity um, and clarity in which direction to go forward. And so that sounds like what unfolded for you. And again, if the purpose of forgiveness is to, one, be able to uh, be able to share, um, sorry, I got distracted for a second, uh, is be able to clear the blocks uh, that are preventing us from experiencing peace and cut the cords from the past so we can just harvest the wisdom from those experiences so that we can begin to comprehend our own innocence. That's really what this is about, is being able to see that we never did anything wrong. We never did anything wrong. What that does is it allows us to align with our true self. And our true self is creative by nature. And so the more that we allow our authentic self to come forward and create as us, through us, for us, we begin to tap into the true power.
divine. And what I know to be true, and this is what we've discussed before, is when we allow our authentic self to come forward and we create from that space, then it's always in alignment with love. And so when we're truly creating, true creation, when we're creating that with the stuff that has true value, which is eternal, and it's always from a space of love, and it's always for the good of all. And so it found, sounds like Jennifer is getting a little clarity on her, what I would say is her dharma, her past. Uh, perhaps her ministry is beginning to um, show itself. Really exciting, really beautiful work, Jennifer. Thank you, of course, for going first and being honest and um you know, the body uh, shame stuff, it's real. It's a real um, real conversation to have, I think, especially in America. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it takes a lot of courage to admit that there is, you know, uh, that you have been carrying around shame and regret and judgment and insecurity. Um, and it also gives you permission because Jennifer, when, I mean, you, I don't think anyone here has met her in person, but when you do, she's this your brilliant, gregarious personality. And, um, and the more we do this healing work, the more we cut the cords, the more forgiveness work we practice with ourselves and others, it gets to come from a really grounded, holistic, heart-centered space, um, all of that. And so it, it becomes even brighter. So I, I just... Love being a part of your journey, Jennifer. And, and again, thank you for sharing. Um, would anyone else like to share today? And even if you're not feeling ready to share your forgiveness letter, maybe you can share your experience writing the letter. Hi, Jesse. Hi. Brandon. I was reluctant because the most quiet place I could find was a kind of a lobby, so you might hear Frank Sinatra and the um, speakers above me, just just so you know. I think it's wonderful to have um, a little atmospheric. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, I mean, for me, I think this was perfect timing, uh, as with most things, especially uh, the work we do in the practitioner course, because I just finished up uh, and last. Saturday and Sunday, I spent several hours finishing uh, uh, three major inventories that my sponsor asked me to do. So it was all kind of right there. And oftentimes the things that I don't get out of my inventories are the resentments I have about myself or my life. So it it was really nice to kind of look at it a different way in a more gentle way. And uh, it's, I mean, I don't mind reading it. Is is the sound okay for everyone? Yeah, it's perfect. Okay. 
So my intention is writing this letter is to set myself free and open the floodgates to prosperity and to build new pipelines for flow. Yeah, that's just a theme right now where I'm getting stuck. I feel angry that I don't have more money, that I feel like I'm getting a late start, that I thought I'd have a more positive impact by now. I feel afraid that it all won't be worth it, that I'll push the wrong relationships away, that I'll choose the wrong paths out of fear, that I will never become who I'm meaning to be. I feel hurt that I've held all to ridiculous standards, uh, specifically past relationships, that I am unable to make financial progress. I feel hurt that I am not honored more at work with a higher salary. I feel hurt with when sponsors check out. I accept that I had years of wandering, drinking, using drugs and people. I accept that I was scared and asleep for many years. I accept that every day I'm getting better. I accept that every day I'm learning to deepen into relationships. I accept that I am knowing more and releasing more and allowing more. The deep desire of my heart now is to expand and envelope the beautiful experiences to connect and have zero indifferent relationships to answer calls and to answer quote-unquote calls. What I'm doing to support myself now is to let myself off the hook more, to ask for guidance in humans and spirit form with every act of greatness and to offer service as a way to be joyfully united, to resist the need to quote-unquote do things and to run toward passion and joy for the power of it, to play more and then visible and choose happiness and prosperity as birth rights with daily affirmative prayers. What I'm asking myself now is more time with God and considering his children more. What I'm asking for help with from you, myself, universe now is willingness to be guided, willingness to trust, willingness to choose faith, willingness to pause and find gold mines and invisible. I'm grateful that I have clarity and fellows that I can rely on today. My loving and powerful intention going forward is to be still and choose the time traveling of uniting with God as opposed to self-willed manipulations of the material world. And what I thought was really funny about all this is every time I'd write something, especially in the beginning, like my mind would, like once I get it in black and white, my mind like, that's obviously not true. That's a, that's a lie that you keep telling yourself and, that's what's causing your suffering because <laughs> you're believing these things to be true. So that was a nice little Byron Katie mix up in there. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you, how did you feel after writing it? Any, any insights, any shifts for you? Um, well, so I felt really clean from the weekend, like, like really clean, uh, because I was like all my fears, all my sex bullshit, all my resentment bullshit. But um, what this did kind of like, uh, and I, I did it like on break at work, and it really just amped up like my vibrational 
uh, levels to the point that I felt so good moving through the rest of the week. And I felt kind of, I felt on point with my relationships and I stopped immediately. I stopped task minding at work and started just walking through the halls and meeting with people and just talking to them and like catching up with people and really building those relationships there. And, and this whole week has been really beautiful because I'm, you know, I like intuitively and intellectually, we, we know that relationships are the greatest currency, but, um, once I actually make that a priority, then things really do feel more joyful to me. It's really beautiful, Brandon. Really, really beautiful. And what I'm really appreciating already, we've talked about body shame and we've talked about um, money. And mm-hmm. um, uh, these are two categories that as spiritual counselors, people will come to you with all the time. And more than that, on a grander scale, uh, granted just for now, maybe you can do stuff as you know, that might be. Oh, sorry. Nah. Yeah, it's all good. Um, on, a, on a larger scale, uh, they, those two are also two categories that we create prisons out of. There, we allow ourselves to believe that because of either uh, our what we look like or how much money we have, we've built a, a make-believe um, worthiness scale around it, um, a value scale, a fictitious value scale based on what we look like and how much money we have. And... Um, it was interesting, like, I've been talking about this with Chris a lot because we're getting ready to adopt a kid. And um, Chris has a lot of fears come up around money, and he wants to save more money and save more money. And I finally said to him, I'm like, what is your deal with the money? Like, I was like, my parents were, like, stone broke when we were little, and I never knew that. I had a great childhood. Like, I never felt like money was an issue. Like, anything that I needed, I had. Um, I ate, I had clothes, and do you think, really, do you really think that, like, if we ever needed something for our kid, that it wouldn't be provided, <laughs> you know? And and I looked at him, and he's been working so much. He goes, well, I just want, there's just a couple more financial goals that I want to get through, and and that's why I'm going to work you know, seven days a week, and he's feeling exhausted, and I looked at him, I was like, listen, I understand that there's this last financial goal, you know, until the next one presents itself. I'm like, but you have to make a vow to me that um, you don't overwork yourself anymore, that that's not something we do, because I feel like this this, this belief we have that money is security, money's going to keep us safe. Um and money is going to make us, if we have more money, it's going to mean something, that we are willing to um, really put things on the line that don't need to be on the line. And so I told him, I said, listen, you can do this, it's fine, but afterward, after that, um, you have to make a promise to me that you work five days a week, and the days that you're not working, 
that you are doing something that really you really love, that you're really allowing you to have yourself to have a full day of just writing. And so, because what many of us don't see is we get trapped in this belief that we know where our money is going to come from. We know where the good is going to come from. And so we think, then we begin to make our jobs or the source of which the money comes from our source. And we forget that we live in a creative universe and that we're part of the creative factor of the universe. So we don't know what, when, who's going to be on the other line of that next phone call, where the next opportunity will come from. When, what, I, I've had so many experiences of checks just coming in the mail from places that I did not expect them to at all. Once I did a forgiveness letter with the IRS, I started to get notices that they owed me more money instead of me owing them more money. And I really liked that new relationship I had with the IRS. I think it's a great one, a healthy one. So I'm not, please, no one here that I'm like saying that's Brandon's experience, but it's a common experience that I see a lot. And so the forgiveness work around money, around body image, around that stuff is so valuable because we begin to free ourselves from the prison of belief, this this make-believe thing that so many people are trapped in because these tools are so valuable and so many people don't understand, don't have, haven't been taught that, you know, through true forgiveness, you can free yourself. And they think that they're victims of whatever it is. So Jennifer writing a forgiveness letter to the habits that she's developed, that she developed at an early age and forgiving herself of those habits, she's just freed herself from those habits. Brandon, forgiving himself for, you know, whatever choices that he made or what he feels like he made earlier on that have prevented him from doing whatever it is that he feels like he needs to be doing or whatever it is, He's freed himself from the regret and from the shame and from the blame. And now he's open to create whatever he'd like to create from a new space, from a fresh palette. And that's why this work is so helpful. And this is why we teach it around the area of prosperity. Because true prosperity is well-being in every area of your life, all your needs being met. It doesn't mean millions of dollars. It doesn't mean, you know, private jets and all that stuff. It means that your needs are met, well-being in every area of your life, including your relationships, your health, you know, all of that stuff, or at least your perspective on those things, you know. Guys, thank you so much for sharing. Um, Let's do, uh, let's see if we can do one more, maybe. We have 20 minutes to the until 9:30, so maybe one or two more. If uh, if anyone would like to share, or if any questions if any come questions up, any come thoughts, up, any thoughts. Is that you, Zach? Is that you, Zach? Yeah. Um, I'm probably not in the space to share my forgiveness letter just yet, but it's um, I've done a couple of these with you, Majesty. This is the one that's definitely coming up to the front. Um, in terms of um, things around the retreat and finances, and then also actually the concept of um, sharing with the group and allowing myself to be vulnerable in a group, not just sort of in a one-on-one situation. So 
I am speaking because I am trying to move through that today. Um, but yeah, it's been a very confrontational kind of week around this sort of work. I've unusual or been a new experience to be quite sort of paralyzed, I guess is the word I would um, say in a way right now in terms of, you know, knowing I should do the work and that sort of thing, but also definitely getting a lot of resistance coming back. So um, it's new territory for me in taking some steps forward instead of just um, presenting a front and actually choosing to really start to look things up in the eye and see what's going on and why I am creating that sort of thing. So that's where I'm at right now. Would you like to do a little work around that? <laughs> yes, sure. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being courageous enough to share that. And also, it's interesting that we, one, you know, um, believe that there's, like, secrets, right? <laughs> that we can... Um, you know, a lot of people feel as though they give a persona, like um, a controlled persona, and that they have some sort of power in how people perceive them. But remember, going back to the Ernest Holmes teaching, we're all one mind. And so if there's any sort of belief that you have about yourself, even if it's, a, even if it's subtle, it's felt. And so... I just, what I can acknowledge and declare is that your authentic self and your um, doing this work, your heart's true desire to know itself as purely innocent is coming to the forefront of your conscious mind, your consciousness, which is allowing you to share this now. So it's time for you. Um, and so I really thank you for being courageous enough to bring that up and the question would be is why do you feel hesitant to share your past? Is it truly that you think this group of people would judge you or is there something else going on? I think I know in my heart no one here would judge me. I think I'm more so You're more so I'm trying to find the right words and trying to figure it out. Um I think there is an element of self-judgment or in terms of the sharing of a, in a group makes things real as opposed to living in an experience of denial of, you know, how you've gotten to certain places and things like that. The moment you start to share it with people, you start to make, it starts to become public knowledge and real. Yes. And... What else is there? What else happens when you share 
with somebody else, or you share it at a group level? Well, you connect with other people and release it and allow them to support you. Yeah, I think you said something really important there in the releasing it. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of experience of not sharing something that I was judging as being bad or um, dark or whatever, not because necessarily I was afraid that people would judge me. There was a little of that, like I didn't want people to know my business, but also I think there was a part of me that I wasn't ready to let that part of me go yet. And so when we share at a group level, suddenly, especially in a group like this, there's a level of accountability that we have just invited everybody to support us with. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this level of when we allow ourselves to become vulnerable and when we allow ourselves to become transparent, and especially in the essence of I'm not interested in this anymore, and in in a way you're reaching out your hand and saying, and as my community, as my colleagues, as my peers in this journey, I'm inviting you to help me, support me in healing this. Mm -hmm. But if there's a part of us that still holds on to it, that still fancies it a little bit, is a little curious about it, or, um, I mean, sometimes, you know, there's this uh, fantasy of, you know, like a little, like a little naughty something, or a little, like we're, 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 we're putting, um, we're filing it under something that we've created in our mind to be true. So like, oh, this is, bad or this is naughty or this is dirty when really it's none of that it's neutral they're all neutral you know what I mean but we're holding the judgment in our mind about it and part of us likes to have that judgment you know they like to we like to have that that secret yeah absolutely. does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah and that's why we say authenticity is so healing and you know I mean as more like I see more and more of you guys starting to sort of come out spiritually right (laughs) on Facebook and you're posting you know um, posts that are spiritual in nature and kind of thought provoking and things like that and um, you know what I really value about this specific community and what I've learned along the path is that if you create this persona or a professional whatever um, and you're not and it doesn't come from an authentic place that's when like we see those preachers and stuff like that crash and burn those are the ones that you know um, get exposed with like prostitutes or smoking crack or they're stealing or something happens because they created this false image of what a spiritual, and I'm using air quotes here, spiritual person is, right? But let's redefine what a spiritual person is. A spiritual person is someone who is practicing 
the uh, art of loving kindness to the best of their ability and moving through fearful thoughts as they arise. We come in all different shapes and sizes, from all different philosophical and religious backgrounds, from different cultural and ethnic um, backgrounds as well, and different life stories. And so, like Byron Katie would say, she is a, I forget how she phrases it exactly, but she, she's a believer in the, in the path in the perfection of the path. Your specific experiences instead of experiences are your individualized curriculum and they're perfect feedback. And part of what this process clearly is for you is to be able to heal any judgment you have about your path, to think that it was it's flawed in some way, it shouldn't have happened, or there's something bad about it because this is where those deep-rooted beliefs, and this is why forgiveness is perfect, even though he's not reading his forgiveness letter, we're having this conversation of, you know, almost everybody on this planet has some active program, belief system, and they're usually around these four sort of categories. I'm unworthy, I'm bad, I'm broken, or there's something wrong with me. And we've sort of developed our whole life around these sort of false belief systems and they've infiltrated our personality and we have the false belief that our personality is who we are and so we just are in this constant state of judgment that we're unworthy, bad, broken or um, sick or something, you know what I mean? But none of it's true. And I know the commitment that you have made for yourself, Zach. I've seen the work that you've, do, uh, that you've done and the work that you continue to do. And if you continue to apply the principles instead of just talking about them or reading about them or whatever, they have to do the healing work. Like the, the healing has to happen. It can't not. That's what they're designed to do. And so... Um, is any of this resonating with you as true for yourself? And what would you like to share about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's. I'm gonna to have to go back and listen to this again during the week in terms of you know how many aha moments there are. Um, I think you're right. There's a lot of um, and we talked about that idea of you know being naughty or bad before, and there's definitely those parts of you that attached to that story. Um, and then the confronting part is when you do sort of put your hand up and say, well, I'm not willing to sort of indulge in that anymore. But um, when push comes to shoving, you actually start to do the work and you know, put it into practice, not just worry about it or talk about it. That's when it really sort of um, has an effect on you. You, sort of, you. you can read and go, oh, yeah, I can really do some work around this. And then the moment you actually commit to that, um, yeah, it becomes very real. You know, uh, and you get to bring up all your shit, whether you want to or not. But just because it's up doesn't mean that the healing will unfold. We have to stay rooted in our willingness. We have to stay really grounded in our willingness to allow it to heal. Um, and that's 
a lot of our work as practitioners is to check in with our willingness. Am I still prioritizing this? Am, am I still willing to heal this? Because I got to tell you guys, uh, with a lot of this work, there comes a point where it's going to be really confronting and you're just going to want to like jump ship. And a lot of times that jumping ship comes into the form of I'm just getting really busy or you know, it's not really for me, or I'm, I'm bored, or I'm not feeling challenged, I'm not whatever. I got to tell you, there's been so many times that I've quit a class because of the personalities in the class. Um, I remember one specific class of Jennifer's, there was this woman who would share, I mean, I always, I always thought she was um, holding the class hostage with her sharing, like she would get on every freaking class and share for like half an hour. And I was like, I don't give a shit about your journey anymore. Oh, my God. And it felt like she was so self-indulgent in all of her pain and all this stuff. And I was like, I can't anymore with her. She's literally driving me crazy. I was mad at Jennifer for letting this happen. I felt like uh, she wasn't uh, make, creating a safe environment for other people who were paying for this class. And um, so I left, I quit class, and what I discovered was I kept having this situation come up where I would be trapped in situations with personalities that were so, like, so irritating to me that I couldn't handle it. And then I realized, like, radical forgiveness, like we read with Jill's story, it kept happening and it kept happening and it kept happening for my healing for my own judgment. And so my opportunity was to pray for that woman's happiness instead of judging her for being wrong, right? But I just wasn't ready at that point, so I jumped ship. I wasn't ready for that lesson. I wasn't ready for that healing, I guess. And in retrospect, it can be like, oh, I wish I would have stayed and done it. But, you know, again, we get to honor the perfection of our path, right? And so, Zach... It sounds like you're at a place and a platform uh, in your life where you're ready to, to, where the invitation is either walk through the door and allow the next level, the next level of light to come through, which just a lot of times means getting really honest with the people we've enrolled to support us in our growth, you know? And to do so and to put, you know, Edwin talks about confronting her fears, walking over the coals, getting naked in the in front of the group of strangers to, and so she can move through all of her fears so she can see that, one, she didn't die from them, two, it was actually liberating and free, and now she knows that she that she's not um, confined by her judgments and her fears. She freed herself. So, yeah. What else Zach? Um, all of that resonates as well. I think, you know, it's that it's almost like when you take the band-aid off or like you sort of walk through the door, um, it just it does give you opportunities to heal. Um, alternative, like you said, and I think I bet everyone in class can put account at different times something's come back in different ways 
to teach me the same lesson, he sort of look at it and go, oh, well, I wish I'd got on the first try. So um, I'm pretty sure, you know, this isn't the first opportunity I've had to deal with, you know, sharing and that sort of thing. But um, if it doesn't, you know, uh, happen today, then it will present itself in some other form. And so I get the message and start to <laughs> do the work on it. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's why I feel like these forgiveness letters are really, really valuable. And these are something that we'll be using throughout the entire program, these forgiveness letters, and um, especially throughout the rest of this module. Um, I still use these. I find them to be really, really good. There was a time about six months ago where I was guided to do a forgiveness letter every day, every day. And it was really a healing, cleansing process for me. I felt like I got through a lot of stuff. Um, so, Zach, thank you for being courageous enough to even share that you're having a block in sharing. Uh, it's really um, it's really helpful when we're just, you know, uh, honest and authentic with each other. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Um, so we have five minutes. Um, would anyone just like to share? I mean, I, I'm fine with and I'm not attached to any specific timeline. So if anyone else feels they'd like to share their experience with the Forgiveness Letter or share their Forgiveness Letter, um, we have a little time. Hey, this is Soki. Um, okay. Can I say something? Of course. Yeah, because I, just what you said uh, a few minutes ago, uh, uh, sharing is not a problem for me. I can always volunteer, but I feel that if I do it, I'm eating most of my other uh, fellow students' time. That's why I'm backing off. Because just like that woman, I don't like to, that you're, you're talking about your story. I don't like to eat up my other fellow adventurers' time. And I would like to listen. So that's the reason why I need to back off. I feel I need to back off in sharing. That's all. Thank you. Well, Soki, why do you believe that you're eating people's time? Because uh, let, let I me, let, want... let me say this. Hold on. Let, 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 me, let me say this since we're doing this work. Uh, do you feel bad because you are eating other people's time? Is that true? No, I, I'm backing off from sharing because... I know that there are other fellow students there, out there, who, 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 who deserves to be listened to and to share their stories other than myself. Well, listen, we're, we all deserve to share our stories, and we're all worthy enough to share our stories, but um, that, I mean, and this is, I feel like, an important thing to share at the group level too you know 
people-pleasing is a way that we keep ourselves out of playing a bigger game. And people-pleasing often looks like doing what we think other people want us to do or trying to be something that we think other people want us to be or trying to guess what other people want. Right, Soki? So if your authentic, true self is someone who is excited about this material and likes to share and wants to share, you get to do that freely. And as my job as facilitator is to reel it in if I feel as though I'd like to give other people the space to share as well. But, you know, it's I invite you to consider if there's any place else in your life where you are projecting what you think other people want and keeping yourself from experiencing what you want. Because I don't think, I I haven't had one person write me an email that says, you know, Soki's sharing a little too much. I feel like she's bombarding the group and I'd really appreciate it if you could tell her to share a little less so I could share more. Not one person has ever said that to me. Our job as practitioners, as spiritual adventurers, as teachers of God, as teachers is this, is to get clear and share and express from an authentic place. And some people are naturally, they learn more from being active listeners and allowing the information to process through their minds. And then they write it down or they express it later. And some people work through, you know, all the steps of their mind through talking it out. So there's no right way to this process. And there's been many times I've been on calls that I was like, you know, I'm not going to say anything because, you know, I don't want to take up all the time. But you know what generally happens in those situations? My answer doesn't get, my my question doesn't get answered. Because <laughs> I didn't speak up. And if we're all one mind, and there's only perfection on the path, we can trust that, you know, you are in this group not by accident, but on purpose, with all of the attributes and beautiful, perfect personality traits that you bring to the table to support the healing of everyone on the call. How could it not be? So I'm giving you full permission to share, express, and celebrate, and also the invitation to perhaps explore if there's any place else in your life that you are holding back because you think other people would be more comfortable if you held back. I believe it was Edwin Gaines that said the greatest crime we can commit in this lifetime is to dim our light so other people feel more comfortable. Does any of that resonate with you, Soki? I hear you. Yeah, it's very true to me. Listen, your job is to do Soki. 
Jennifer's job is to do Jennifer. Mark's job is to do Mark. Brandon is to do Brandon. Martha is to do Martha. And Zach is to do Zach. Your job is to do Silky. And do your very best to give the best Silky you can. We like unfiltered Silky. And let Jesse, Reverend Jesse, do Reverend Jesse and facilitate. This is, you pay money every month to be in this call. You have every right to do and ask any question you have and share whatever you need to share if you feel it's going to support you in getting more clarity to be an effective spiritual counselor and practitioner. Got it? Got it. And if it brings up shit with other people, perfect. We'll trust that that's exactly what it's supposed to do. And if they want to share authentically on the group level, we'll let them. Got it? I got it. All right. All right, it's 9.30, so let's take, uh, let's take 10 minutes today. We'll take 10 whole minutes, so refill your water, stretch your legs, get some tea, go to the bathroom, whatever you need to do. I'll see you back here at 9.42. Please keep your phones on. Just keep them on mute.
Hello, hello, hello. We are back. Okay, so we're not going to do the uh, judge and neighbor worksheets today. Uh, we're going to review a little Byron Katie, and then we're actually going to jump back to the four spiritual laws conversation. Um, but we're getting to the point, uh, the place in the module where we're coming towards the end of this module. So I'd just like to do a lot of review just so all the principles and everything that we've gone over are really uh, fresh and ingrained in our minds. And um, next week, we'll probably do a little... Uh, wait, actually, I have to check the calendar because I think... We have, yeah, so next week, we'll do a little review with actually the Joseph Murphy material, uh, the subconscious mind material. Uh, we'll do more um, review with the uh, four spiritual laws, and we'll do some Byron Katie. So we can um, see sort of the uh, the threads that combine, that connect all of the, the stuff that we've studied. And so we just are really clear on everything. So. so if you have it, please take out your Byron Katie booklet. And um, Mark, why don't you share, if you're going to sum up the section, what is, is, share with us what that means and why people create upset in their life when they argue with this philosophy, this idea. Okay, so uh, what is, is, um, is basically reminding us that um, you can't change what already is. Um, and that's, that's where the suffering comes from. Um, you know, if, uh, if an apple is red, and we want it to be blue, it doesn't make a difference how much we want it to be blue, it simply is red. Um, and there's nothing we can do about it. We can, you know, of course we could try to paint it a different color and dye it, but at the end of the day, the apple still is red. It's just now dyed a different color, but it hasn't changed what it is. Because what it is is what came from God. What it is just simply is. Um, so when we resist accepting what is, this is where our suffering comes in. And, um, I know for myself, so often I get challenged by, um, resisting simply what is, uh, you know, calling a customer service rep who just happens to be in a bad mood and me feeling like, well, they do customer service, so they should be in a good mood, or they should put their mood aside because their job is to give me good service right now. And my resistance, my shooting on them, my shooting on the situation, all it does is it has me focus on what I don't want rather than focusing on what I do want. And in that example, what I would want, what I do want, is I want to have a loving experience with that person on the line. And my having that loving experience, if that's what's most important to me, makes no difference in how they show up. 
is how I choose to show up and how I choose to to be with what is and to choose the most loving choice from there. Um, so that's my that's what I get out of the what is is section within the book is is again looking at what's what's in front of us that cannot change, which is anything outside of ourselves, and not just accepting it or tolerating it, but really just simply being with it and then choosing the most loving action thought or otherwise from that point to step us more towards what it is that we want most. Beautiful. I love that Byron Katie says in her book, God is what is. God is real. Reality is what is. God is reality. And so to argue with what is is like saying, God, uh, that shouldn't have happened. But what is that going to get you? Just upset, right? So, Mark, let's talk about a couple, like, big um, ideas that people carry in their mind that create upset for them, okay? So, like, for instance, some, uh, what I mean by that is some oversweeping broad stroke ideas that, that are in the sort of the social conscious that create upset for people because it rarely unfolds that way for them. Um, one of those would be um, mothers should be nurturing. Mothers should be nurturing. Um, well, that's crazy, right? Because a lot of times mothers aren't nurturing. And so when if we think that what is should be that mothers should be nurturing, what are we what's gonna happen if our mother is not nurturing? We suffer. Exactly. But if we could accept that my mother is not nurturing, then we can accept her for who she is and then make a clear minded decision on how we want to relate with her, right? Exactly. All right, what are some other ones that you I mean, as a coach, I'm sure you run into it all the time. What are some uh, beliefs out there that cause people upset and misery because they think it should be a certain way? I should be having success in my career because I'm very talented. Um, <laughs> That's a good one, isn't it? I should have another yeah. career or I should be in a different place. Really? You should because you're not. So that maybe you should be exactly where you are and allow that to support you in making a clear-minded decision. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I should have more money in my bank account because I work really hard. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a belief that hard work equals good pay. Well, that's not necessarily the case. <laughs> How about um, uh, I should uh, I should be in a relationship? Yes. Yeah. Yep. That comes up a lot. That messes with people so much. <laughs> it does. Um, it's almost funny how much they uh, it messes with people. Um, how about um, you should wait? We should wait till marriage to have sex. Mm. Yes. Well, that doesn't as much for me and my clients, but yes, that certainly it does come up for people for sure. Just give yourself permission, Mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how about um, 
Oh, here's a good one for a lot of this community. Um, uh, uh, oh, well, never mind. I was going to get political there for a second. But, you know, politics is really a good one. Like when we get really upset with who we think should be president or who we think should be the candidate or the nominee or whatever, you know, um, or who shouldn't be, you know. Um, it really is, uh, you know, I mean, there's always opportunity for us to get clear as to what belief systems are running our life, right? So let's go around the circle, and why don't we each share one thing, one thing that a belief system that we think should be different that it creates upset in our life. I will begin. Here's one that I just really uncovered with, uh, you know, I'll just be honest, with my sponsor yesterday. Um, I think that uh, medical services should be uh, affordable and available to everyone easily. Uh, That's what I think should be happening. And I get really upset because they're not. Um, Mark, what's another should you have? Um, uh, I should um, be able to eat anything I want and not gain weight from just looking at it. Oh, hallelujah, brother. If you could see me, I'm actually in a church hat right now, fanning myself with the church program, saying amen. Um, that's what is actually happening right now. Um, beautiful. Uh, Martha, what's a should that you, that, that you have that creates upset with your life? I don't know. I can't, um, really, there's not one thing that you think should be happening that isn't happening on any scale at all in the world that creates upset in your life? Yeah, I should have a parking space when I come home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you should have a parking space. A life is unfair, and that is messed up, man. Exactly. And sick. Sick, twisted thing happening in the universe. You should have a parking space when you come home. And when you don't have a parking space, what happens? I I get pissed off. Yeah, you get pissed (laughs) off. Good insight. Really good insight. Now, with that insight, you have permission to laugh every time you get pissed off because you don't have a parking space. And just say, thank you, God, for letting me heal this belief and then doing me any good. <laughs> Soki, what's one should in your life? I am meant for bigger and greater things and I should not be in my current job if I want to realize that I have my own business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I should quit my job. This is one that I this is one that I get, so, uh, I see a lot, and uh, I bet Mark will uh, will agree with me. Sees this too. People think I should be doing something else, and that upset fuels them. In, and I've seen this so many times. They just quit their job, and they say, "Well, I'm trusting that God will take care of it." Well, that's crazy, because you're creating a some sort of God up there 
that's going to give you a prize for being bold, making a bold move. But really what you just did is quit your job without another source of income coming in. And what I see unfold a lot for people is that they freak out and they struggle, right? So I should be in a different job. And when you're not in a different job and you should be doing bigger, better things, then it creates upset. Love it. Good one, Soki. Thank you. And, yeah, I'm sure that everyone listening to this can relate and has had at least these, one of these thoughts at least once. Zach, what's a big should in your life? I should know better. <laughs> About a situation, a person, I should know better. It's my favorite thing. Well, Zach, you should. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, no, I shouldn't have done that. Well, you you did that. You did do it. So maybe you should have done that. No, I shouldn't have. Well, but you did. But let's argue with that reality for a while. That's good. Good one, Zach. Good. Jennifer? Um. Yeah, I sort of, I have, you know, some that are, like, in conflict with each other. So on the one hand... I should be able to work remotely uh, with no problems and still get paid, you know, what I usually make. But then at the same time, you know, I should have job security, uh, you know, and they just sometimes they just don't go together. Oh, yeah, because one thing that we have experienced throughout the ages is that, you know, job security is always guaranteed <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if nothing else, like the 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 housing crash thought us that like we think we're safe with pensions, we think we're safe with for um, you know, the four hundred one ks, we think we're safe with all these things, but it's this like it's this thought that it should protect us, it should keep us safe, but when it doesn't, what happens? We're upset. People shouldn't lie. They shouldn't take advantage of the system. Well, that's been yeah. happening since there's been systems. So to get upset about people taking advantage of the system is crazy. Now, if you're interested in, you know, um, authentic, honest, uh, uh, political, whatever, whatever it is, then you hold that space. And if you feel called, you go towards that and you create difference and you practice, you know, integrity in your own life. But, but again, like when things happen, I just love it when things happen and people get so angry and upset like that shouldn't have happened, but it did happen. Yeah. And then, what, what's one for you? What's a big shit in your life? I mean, are, you, are we talking? What? <laughs> okay, Brandon, Brandon, you go. <laughs> my should is I should make money doing what I absolutely love. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a really good one. Mhm. Mhm. Yep. And I think people should stop believing that they can make money doing what they love. <laughs> Yeah, isn't it great <laughs> how, many, how many belief systems there are out there? Um, yeah. You know, there, I, 
Is it possible for Brandon to make money doing what he loves? Absolutely. Should he be doing that right now? I don't know. Ask him. Is he doing what he loves? Is he making money at it? If he's not, then no, he shouldn't right now. Doesn't mean he can't, but to think that he should be right now if he's not is crazy thinking. We're arguing with what is. So another couple powerful ones for us to really consider is she shouldn't act that way. He shouldn't have lied to me. He shouldn't have cheated on me. You know, she shouldn't have gone behind my back and said that. They shouldn't gossip about me. All of those shoulds that create so much upset and misery in our lives. Taxes should be lower. Healthcare should be more affordable. College should be free. Everyone should recycle. That's us getting in the in playing the role of God. That war shouldn't be happening. Those people shouldn't be oppressed. Those people shouldn't be starving. But they are. So, once we accept that, then we can, if we feel inspired to do so, create change in a way that we can. From a grounded, authentic, heart-centered, mindful space. All right. So let's move on to the booklet in the Staying in Your Own Business. This is some of my favorite teaching, Byron Katie teaching. Um, and uh, Zach, what types, how many types of business are there? Three types of business. But and they are? And they are. Um, my business, your business or his or her business, and God's business. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm going to throw some scenarios up there, and you can read into this. Okay. Um, I'm hearing a little feedback from you. Maybe it's the time delay on Skype or something. Yeah. Um, maybe if you have a headset, you can put that in. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what you should do. <laughs> yeah, that's your business. Um, okay. Uh, your um, your boyfriend calls his mother and complains about you. Whose business is that? That is his business. His business. That is his business. He can call and complain to whoever he wants. It's his business. Okay. Um. Your, um, let me see, you uh, cheat on your taxes. You lie about how much money you made on your IRS bill. Whose business is that? My business. It is your business. It is your business. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, there is... Um, uh the let me see the gym you work at catches fire overnight and burns to the ground whose business is that that's god's business 
Yeah, it's God's business. <laughs> um, you are um, going to uh, you get to the airport and you realize that the flight to America has been canceled. Whose business is that? God's business. God's business. Out of your control. The stewardess, they are the person working at the, the table, is really mean to you and rude to you and doesn't seem to care about your plight. Whose business is that? Their business. How you respond to that person is whose business? My business. That is right. <laughs> so when we are in somebody else's business, we create upset for ourselves. So, Zach, what is an example of of a situation in which you have been in somebody else's business and it got you upset? Um, uh, thinking someone else, they should respond differently to me about a situation or... Um, yeah, treat me, treat me differently or treat me like I'm, um, why, why don't they understand me? <laughs> that notion they should be treating me differently and treating me kind if they don't know what I've been through. <laughs> <laughs> Let's use an example from your past, if you don't mind, that, that I know that you actually went through. Um, how about your experience at Training Mate in West Hollywood? Uh, <laughs> um, so, talk about... Uh, give a little example of what happened and how you were in um, whose business it was, how that all went down. Um, basically, about a year ago, so when I was working there, um, I was looking for more classes from them, and I thought I was doing everything right and thought they should be giving me more classes because I'm a great trainer, and they weren't giving me more classes, and then it eventuated that we um, actually didn't continue on with them and ended up going to Barry and working more for them, so but for the whole period of sort of January, Jesse was a part of me arguing with what is going, well, they should give me more classes because that would validate me as a trainer and, and would make me feel like I'm making something of myself here. Um, Great. And I was so, attached pause, to that story. pause for a second. Whose business was it to give you more classes at, whose job was it to give you more classes at Training Mate? Uh, my boss was Luke's. Right, okay, so... Whose business was it, whether he decided um, to give you more classes or not? His business. Exactly. Should he have given you more classes? No, because he didn't. That's arguing what is. Exactly. Oh, wow, you're really onto this now. <laughs> Whose business was it to go to Barry's boot camp and try another studio? My business. Did you have a good experience at Barry's boot camp? Yeah, fantastic. Would you have had that same experience if you were still tied to training mate? No, absolutely not. So do you think that perhaps <laughs> your greatest good was unfolding for you uh, in not getting more classes at training mate? Absolutely. Because it inspired you to do what? Um, seek opportunities um, in other places that were more open to what I had to offer. There you go. Brilliant. Beautiful. <laughs> I think that we can all, we've all had the experience of thinking that our employer should have treated us differently 
that we should have gotten a specific job. Okay, when I was at the, with the Food Network uh, and just starting to do working with the Oprah Winfrey Network, there was another chef that I uh, worked with him on the shows, and he was really handsome uh, guy. He had a great little accent, and he was gay, but in the closet. Like he was outwardly gay in his social life, but really in the closet professionally. And that drove me insane because we would be up for the same jobs over and over and over again. It would be down to me and it would be down to him. And I could tell, like, you know that vibe, like I could get that, just got that sense that they kept giving it to him because he was like the cute ladies' man, whatever. But he was gay. And he would get all this work being like the cute Irish ladies' man chef that the women just loved, and it drove me crazy to the point of almost having a nervous breakdown, I swear to God, because he kept getting, and and he wasn't as good on TV as I was. So those are all my stories going on, right? And so he was getting all my good. So here's how it all broke down, okay? Whose business was it that he was in the closet? His business. I was in his business thinking he should come out of the closet. Um... Should I have gotten those jobs? No. Why? Because I didn't. I was spared. They were his jobs to get. Um, should uh, you know? Should people? Should they have been more open to casting uh, 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 a gay uh, a, a gay talent over what they thought was you know a heterosexual male talent? No. Why? Because they didn't. For whatever reason, and I don't even know if that was really the story. That's God's business why they're making the decisions they're making in their business, why they're making the decisions they're making in my business. And what unfolded was I got so upset that I had to learn how to give it up. And that's actually when I discovered the Byron Katie work. It was during that time. And I applied the Byron Katie principles and I found freedom. And I realized there's no way that anyone can ever get my good. You see... He couldn't get my good. That was his good to have. It wasn't mine to have. And me thinking that it should have been mine is me thinking that God should be on my timeline, doing what I want God to do. Well, that's only creating upset in my life. And the greatest gift for me was learning that, was learning how to be free from that. And from that point on, he never triggered me again. I could pray for his happiness. Staying in our own business. So, who has any thoughts, questions, anything they'd like to share, any stories they'd like to share about using the Byron Katie material that has supported them in, in um, transforming a situation, freeing themselves from a situation, any thought system or anything like that? This is some of the best, most effective work we could possibly master as spiritual practitioners is meeting our thoughts with understanding. Me. This is Martha. Great, Martha. <laughs> it just really helped. Um, last weekend, um, my ex-boyfriend broke up with me after like four to five years through text. Um so this just helped me to accept it. I mean, I called Teresa and I was like, should I even reply to this? Um, but I didn't want him to text it again. 
so I did, you know, just that I received it, and I did tell him that I was disappointed that he decided to communicate this through text, because in the four to five years, we only argued once, and I thought he was more mature than that, um, and I wished him well, and that was it. So, um, I knew it was going to kind of happen eventually because he wants to have kids and I don't, and we knew that from the get-go. But I was really surprised that he did it that way. And it was hurtful that he did that. But just knowing that the fact that he did do it, I was okay with it. I mean, I accepted. There's nothing I could do as far as he did it and it's done. And obviously it was supposed to happen this way. And Okay, so it gave me an opportunity just to put everything to practice to begin with, to accept it, that that was his choice and he chose to do it that way and to put him to practice not to to watch my thoughts also in the way I'm thinking, not to blame myself or, you know, or to close myself emotionally either. Um, so anyway, so that helped a lot just to to do Katie's work and just to be okay with that and to know that I needed to unfold this way to really, I think, to see how much I've grown spiritually and um, still be able to be happy because I am. And um, yesterday I received a text from him saying that he wanted to call me and speak to me today because he wanted to apologize. So anyway, so I guess he'll be calling today if he does or not. Um, but I'm okay either way, and I'm just grateful, grateful to be able to have this information and apply it and and to realize, you know, because um, I did share this with some of the members in Inspire, and just to have the support and different options, because my uh, friend of mine would say, well, just call him and tell him where's his balls, you know? But honestly, I don't have any animosity towards him, and I wish him well, and um, it's been a great ride, and I'm looking forward to the future. So that was my experience with Katie recently. That's beautiful. I love that, Martha. That is so great. So your boyfriend decides to break up with you via text. Whose business is that? His business. Mm-hmm. Um, you decide to lean into your spiritual community. Whose business is that? My business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You decide to call Lupe and ask her to slash his tires. Whose business is that? <laughs> <laughs> my business if I decide to tell her or to do it <laughs> and Lupe decides to decline the invitation to slice his, to slash his tires whose business is that her business her business yeah the relationship has reached a conclusion in the form that it is and now it will evolve into another form whose business is that Hmm, that's an interesting all of our business. <laughs> it's got kind of, yeah, kind of, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, guys, when we get more into some of the metaphysical, mystical um, 
conversations, and uh, we're having some of them at service now. We talk about feeling tones and how our, um, you know, our feeling tones, our emotions support us in vibrating in different frequencies, on higher frequencies. Loving frequencies are just higher. And as we begin to do this work, we begin to practice forgiveness. We begin to cut the cords to the past. We begin to lean into and embody new perspectives. We start to have new experiences. Our thoughts and our feelings create the experiences around us, right? Our perception. And oftentimes, well, a common experience for a lot of people is that their relationships shift because of this. How could they not? You're showing up as a different person. And sometimes it doesn't resonate. The old relationship cannot continue to go forward in the way that it was because you are not showing up in the same way. It doesn't make it bad. It means that you're growing, you're evolving. And sometimes relationships um, evolve into different forms, meaning no longer romantic partnerships. But oftentimes that means that you're just creating the space for the perfect partnership to that's a good match for you now to express itself. See it all the time. So I'd like to just talk again, uh, lean back a little bit into the discussion of our purpose because the purpose is the four spiritual law of prosperity as taught by Adwin Gaines. So our purpose Edwin, in, in the book, Edwin references more about what you do, what you're here to express and do, which is where my, my, my philosophy differs a little bit um, from her approach. It's the approach. I believe in what I teach and what I invite each and every one of us to really, truly consider is that our only purpose is to wake up to our oneness with perfect love with God. To wake up to our oneness with God. That is our only purpose here. Every situation, every circumstance, every relationship is taking us towards that. And when we are able to consciously align ourselves with that purpose, then everything we do comes from that space. Everything flows from that space, from that purpose. So how I express my purpose is to say my purpose is to wake up with my oneness with God and to inspire others to do the same. And so everything that I do is in alignment with that. And it's a good gauge. I can ask myself, does it feel like it's in alignment with my purpose? So we, uh, those, the, the purpose grids that we do, and we'll do them again, we'll do those gymnasium guys so we really get clear on it. And I invite you to do those purpose grids with everything that you, um, any project you do. And if you're not exactly sure what we're talking about, you will at retreat, so don't worry. It just helps us remind ourselves of what our purpose is and how we're interested in feeling and how we'd like the experience to feel and so we have clarity. So it's like we just how we should create a perfect container for any project, any experience, any meeting, anything to unfold through. Um, now, the dharma of our path is a little different than the purpose. The dharma is how the purpose is expressed. So for Mark, he's a good example. He's an easy example because he really stands in uh, 
he's really declared himself to be a coach. That's what he does. It's in his bones. It's what he feels. He said he's done it his whole life. He, uh, he uh, does It's easy. He can't help but do that. He is a coach through and through. That's what Mark is. Is Mark's purpose to coach? No. Mark's purpose is to wake up to his oneness with God and inspire others to do so. Now I say, I put that second part in because you can't wake up to your oneness with God without inspiring others to do so. We have to share because that's just what God does. God is creative. It's expansive. So once you really align with that, you got to share it. So Mark's purpose is to wake up with his oneness with God and inspire others to do so. And how he does that, how he expresses his purpose, is through coaching. So let's use the example of a housewife. Her purpose, housewife and mother, her purpose is to wake up with her oneness with God and inspire others to do so. How does she choose to express that? Through being a good mother. Through being a good wife. That's what she feels led to do. That's how she is expressing her dharma. Right? So for me, my purpose is to wake up to my oneness with God and inspire others to do the same. How does it express as my life? As being a minister. That's how it's expressing in my life. Brandon expresses his purpose through writing often. Jennifer does, expresses her purpose through being an adventurer and working in production. And so that's why we can get in the groove of accepting what is. Because wherever we are, no matter what it is, we, we confuse, when we confuse our purpose with the job we do, then that creates so much upset in our life. That's when we're like, I should be doing something else. I need to be doing something bigger than myself. I need to be doing something bigger than this. And I need to reach more people. But if our purpose is to wake up to our oneness with God and inspire others to do so, then we're always exactly where we need to be to be in full alignment with our purpose. There's so much freedom when we get clear as to what the true, our true purpose is. And we get to have so much fun with how that expresses because it can express as a trainer, a fitness trainer like Zach. It can express while we're at the gym taking a fitness class our purpose, we can be in full alignment with our purpose as we're going grocery shopping, as we're purchasing something online, or working with a customer service representative, while walking the dogs, going to the car wash. There's so much freedom available when we get clear as to what our true purpose is. And it may not, we may not have been full expression of our purpose in this lifetime. That's okay. There's no hurry. There's no hurry. It's only our ego that would tell us that we've got to get it down this lifetime, that there's, there's no sense of urgency in, in spirit because spirit is, is eternal. So how could there be? There's no time. There's no ticking clock. So let's discuss this a little bit. I'm going to open up the group and share any thoughts or ask any questions or um, uh, express any insights that you may have had with this idea of playing with the idea that our purpose, our true purpose is to wake up to our oneness with God and inspire others to do the same.
for me, it sometimes gets tricky because we are in this realm, so it's like at the same time, and it's like we're told, you know, you have to have goals or whatever, whatever, whatever. And so, but I've always known it's like God has always been like my main interest, but it does, I do get so involved in what's happening around me and in my life that I forget. And before I know it, I'm trying to... Um, meet some something or reach something and I forget about what really is what we're here for. So that's my experience with that. To keep uh to lose my focus, really. I tend to do that. Who else can relate to losing their focus? Uh, my hand is raised. My hand is raised. Right here. <laughs> Who else would like to share about this idea of purpose, of, of sort of rejiggering the concept of purpose? It's Brandon. Hi, Brandon. So, <clears throat> hey, Jesse. So I think it's very useful to have the one purpose in mind because it almost it it allows us to stop doing all this configuring and to really accept the I am not special in the sense that I am not separate so when we all have the same purpose it's essentially saying, I'm not special in this. I'm not going on some weird lone journey that only I can do. But I get to have my purpose that we all share manifest in certain ways. So it kind of lets me off the hook that I don't have to be the person who has to always carry this particular message that I'm always responsible that I, somehow I'm, I make my personality bigger than, you know, what God actually is. And... I think it's a very healthy and clear way to look at it that, you know, just, you know, there's nothing to figure out. We're all across the board. This is our purpose and just doing what comes naturally or what feels good or brings you joy is naturally what's going to bring that purpose to life um, in this three-dimensional reality. So I think it's very useful to use because I think people chase their whole lives being like, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? What's my purpose? And, you know, especially in uh, American culture, when we're obsessed with individuality, it, it can throw us through loops and we can take perfectly good lives and, you know, kind of find all these faults in them. And I've been guilty of that plenty of times. And uh, I love, you know, repeating to myself, I'm not special because that takes the fear out of everything I do. Suddenly, I'm not relying on myself for everything. Yes. And then the game changes, too, because it's not so much what's my purpose, but we get to expand and broaden the conversation to how am I going to express it? 
And we can ask ourselves that in any moment. And then it's almost like giving ourselves permission to be a little playful, which is such a quality of the divine. But we take ourselves so damn seriously because we confuse our purpose with our job. And we think that, or our bank account, and we think, well, if I don't have money or if I'm not famous, like they just did that study, right, where 50% of the, of the uh, millennials said that they want to be famous and the other 50 said that they wanted to be rich. Other 50% said they wanted to be rich because we think that that's going to save us or validate us or make us worth more. Such good insights, Brandon. Everyone, really, top-notch conversations today, guys. It's so clear to me that you guys are really doing this work, truly. Even in your ability to authentically share that you're not ready to share. I think that's such cool, cool stuff. We have three minutes left in class, and I think... This is a great platform to dive off. And why don't we all just share something that we're grateful for, maybe about this program, this class, or somebody in class. And um, I'll start by saying I am so grateful. You know, I'm so grateful uh, to have Silky in my life. I love how expressive and fearless she seems to be and how close to God I feel that she is and how uh, she just seems like this really beautiful, clear, loving, bouncy, awesome, enthusiastic, excited channel for light and love that just pours through so clearly and touches everyone that she's around. So I'm grateful for Divine Sophie. Who else would like to share? Everyone's got to share one. I'll go. It's Mark. Um, I'll express my gratefulness for Martha, who consistently and always just makes me smile when she shares. Um, and to see what an extraordinary um, um, evolution and growth and light that uh, I, I see coming through her and from her and in her over this past year is just—it's so inspiring to me um, to to really share this experience with Martha. So, Martha, I am deeply grateful for you. Thank you. Brandon, is that you? No, but I'll go. (laughs) Uh, This was a particularly insightful class. I feel like people (laughs) were going places that I didn't expect anyone to go. So I'm really just overall grateful for that. I'm grateful for Jennifer leading the charge with so much honesty. Uh, uh, Grateful. uh, In particular, I'm grateful for Zach. Um, Whether he said what he was meaning to say or didn't, um, what it did for me uh, and a question that I always love to look at, even if it's painful, is what still needs to be said that hasn't been said. So thank you for that honesty, because um, I, I I like to look at myself and be like, what am I still not saying? Because I'm I'm not willing to say it yet. So yeah, we could you could have just kept quiet completely, but. Yeah, so I appreciate that. Thank you. 
Beautiful. This is Zach. I'll go on from that and just say I'm very grateful to um, everyone on the call today. Um, and probably the reason I did share was because one of my intentions in this newsletter going forward to support myself was to be honest with myself and my spiritual community. So um, I am very grateful for you guys to holding me accountable to that and letting this be a safe space and a loving space um, across the world. This is okay. I am grateful for Reverend Jesse. I am grateful for Zach and grateful for Martha. I am grateful for Brandon. I am grateful for Mark. I am grateful for Jennifer and the entire Inspire Spiritual community. This is the best thing that ever happened to me. And I'm grateful and happy to give my ties. And I'm grateful that people also tied me. I'm surprised. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I never expected that people would tithe me. And I'm also grateful to receive their time. It means I am a channel. I'm a feeder to somebody else's spiritual soul. And I'm so excited. Something wonderful is happening to me right here, right now. And so it is. Amen. Amen. I'm grateful for all of you for Inspire and just for life itself and the opportunity to evolve in this lifetime along with all of you. So thank you. And it's taking all that love and that light and breathing it in. And Did everyone go? Everyone went, right? Trusting that everything's in perfect divine order. <laughs> we go forward in alignment with our purpose tonight, today forever, and just allow our light to shine brightly. Yes, sharing all the healing benefits of this time together, for we are one, baby. Grace and gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. Um, Zach, please stay on the call for like one second, and I have to hop off, but everyone else have a beautiful, beautiful day. Bye. Bless, bless. Thank you. I love you all. Zach, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hold on one second.